Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yeah, it's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Okay, the man we're speaking to played 90 tests. He finished with an average of 42. He made 14 tons, 26 fifties, high score of 228 there, 248 ODIs, 8,000 plus runs at 36, uh, 21 tons, 37 fifties in that format, 202 catches for his country in both formats. Uh, it's a huge honor to have the opportunity to speak to a guy who was, he was a main character uh, in one of the great eras of cricket for people of our vintage specifically. Uh, he was an excellent cricketer to watch, whether with the bat uh, or in the field where I think he's in the top echelon uh, of all time. Uh, and it's a great moment to show some respect, South African cricket um, and a bit of humor, which, which everyone knows is coming. Um, so, so joining us on the grade cricketer all the way from Cape town, uh, it's Herschel Gibbs. Herschel, welcome to the grade cricketer brother. Thanks gentlemen. Lovely to be in your company as uh, Richie, former Richie would say. So uh, yeah, look, I look, I look forward to the next few, few minutes. Okay. It's a few minutes only. No worries. Um, yeah. uh... <laughs> it's just, just, just about the average of my, uh, you know, my average innings, you know, the length of my average innings. So all good. Yep. Um, maybe we, we, we want to talk about, uh, uh, you know, cricket in South Africa and the issues and stuff, but really want to talk about you. Um, and you can't, you can't research Herschel Gibbs without stumbling across the fact that you may well have been the greatest ever schoolboy sportsman of all time. Uh, and it's not just yourself saying that, like there, there is documentaries made about just how much of a king you were at sport. I mean, anyone who plays at any level believes they were great at school, but it could be that you were the greatest ever. And, and you, like a lot of <laughs> cricketers here in Australia who, who think footy is their first sport, cr- cricket's what, your third or fourth sport? Yeah, it was, a, oh, it was an interesting one. I'm not sure actually exactly how it all got started. Um, yeah, my dad is pretty much a, a champion Um you know, he was the African sprint champion in the 100 and 200 back in the apartheid days. Um, um, but he never played any cricket. He played, obviously, athletics. He did athletics and played a little bit of rugby and a little bit of, you know, soccer. But um, never played cricket. But I think I probably inherited some of his, you know, his genes with regards to, you know, just the speed and agility, uh, which obviously helps in, in any form of sport other than um, underwater ice hockey. And um, <laughs> um, he likes it, but uh, yes, um, the I think the yeah, just you know, from an early age, it, I don't know, you know, I couldn't swim, even though I'm a Pisces, you know, I'm a star sign Pisces, but in for I'm in near water, um, 
And, um, you know, I took to cricket and uh, in a, as obviously as a summer sport and, and rugby in the winter. And then um, also used to do a bit of soccer off straight after rugby in the morning from an early age. So um, I was pretty, pretty busy from an early age. And I don't know, one thing led to another. And, uh, yeah, I just went through the ranks. And before I knew it, I was, and I was playing, obviously, first-class cricket at the age of 16 and um, even though I was starting in the deep end, you know, uh, I think it was a, it was a great experience the first couple of seasons. But obviously, in those days, you could still play, you know, summer cricket as a summer sport, and then rugby, in, as you know, obviously in the winter. And then there was two years before I left school, and then I played rugby for another um, another another two years after that. So after I left school, but. Uh, yeah, I stopped playing soccer at the age of 16, which was, I wouldn't say my first love. I think rugby was still my first love. I mean, I got offered a trial at uh, at Spurs when I was 12. You know, Tottenham Hotspur Spurs when I was 12 and overlooked that. And, you know, <laughs> I was still thinking, why, why I didn't actually go ahead with that. But anyway. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that either. Yeah. I, I mean, I was going to say you're being a little bit coy, Herschel, about your achievements yeah, when right. you... I think yeah. I think you broke the school record for the hundred meter sprint. You, you well, you went to Bishop's, a private boarding school in in South Africa, and, and then yeah. that rugby was like the yeah. sport there. And then you just got, I'll play a bit of that. I'll play, I'll play fly half. I'll just dominate that. Like when <laughs> yeah. when Herschel Gibbs turned up to a house party when he's fifteen years old, like the alphas in town, like that must have been like yeah. H Gibbs is in the room, surely. Yeah, but yeah, man, it was just a problem that uh, I went to all boil school, you know, which uh, I had to go out and. <laughs> I don't have time to go and look for some fresh stuff, but uh, <laughs> it was just one of those things, you know. Um, yeah, but I, you know, I, I tend to sort of just lap it up and and uh, I wouldn't say be the ringleader most of the time. But uh, I enjoyed my my youth, and I still do these days, you know. Yeah. Even though I've uh, quieted down quite a lot since then. <laughs> oh, there, there, I mean, not not to like labor the point about school sport, but um, yeah. there's footage of you on YouTube in '92 playing what what's called what the Craven Week uh, in in rugby union must be some a prestigious thing. Yeah. And you look like you're playing yeah. at a, a super rugby ground or an international ground in South Africa, and th- mm. there's like uh, like Percy Montgomery's playing and uh, and Corner Krieger mm. and and Louis Cohn and and you're dominating yeah. and and you're 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 years away from opening the batting for South Africa. I mean, uh, it's, it's yeah. and, you're, and you're kicking yeah. off both feet. You're jinking. You're, yeah. It's chip and chase. Yeah. It's it's a, it's an absolute. Yeah. It's a it's a it's an exhibition that you're putting on. But anyway, um. I, I guess, yeah, it was. Yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah. No, go on. Um, the um, yeah, I mean, you know, I was lucky enough. I made South African schools rugby, cricket, and soccer, which I think is obviously a feather in my cap because I haven't heard anyone in South Africa since since then, since '92, that has made you know South African got South African colours in three different sports. I mean, not talking. I might just add, we're not talking minor sports here. We're talking the big deal, you know. Yeah. <laughs> are you, are you referring sports. to AB De Villiers when you say that? Because everyone thinks AB is the sports guy, but he, he was Mate, a he, hockey guy, wasn't he? He still had one foot anyway. You know, he can only kick with one foot, <laughs> even though he wasn't a bad rugby player. When it came to soccer, I don't think uh, he felt a little bit short there. But uh, the rest of the he could hold his own in most sports. That's for sure. <laughs> 
Who would win in a decathlon of sports yeah. between yeah. you and AB de Villiers at your peak, you know? Yeah, um, I'm not too sure, actually. I think it'd be a good run, but, uh, you know, I've, I've got experience on my side. And experience always counts in the end, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and, and, yeah. and so you, you make your first class debut at 16. I mean, we're, mm. our, our shtick is grade cricket, you know, the, the level below first class cricket. Did you just breeze right past that? Was it just straight from school to first class cricket or did you still have some kind of, you know, toxic experiences with older men uh, in club cricket before you got to play first class? <laughs> well, I think, um, yeah, so I started playing, you know, for the first league, first league cricket in, at 15. So a year before I played professional, uh, you know, first class. But uh, it was a whole new, you know, a whole new level of entertainment off the field compared to playing with the school lads, obviously. Um, and... Uh, I'm not sure. I think that sort of set the tone for the next 20 years. But um, I had to, you know, I had to take to a duck to water more, you know, more or less. And um, yeah, those were fantastic times. I mean, I had, uh, you know, I had four years before, well, three years before I finished school after playing, you know, I made my first last debut. But uh, those three years were phenomenal. It sort of set up a good, like, you know, the next 10, 15 years of just, Absolute debauchery. But oh, it was great. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, sorry, he goes. Okay. It, it, that's, mm. uh, uh, there's a lot of people listening who want us to drill down on that. You know, like you've essentially said that your experiences in grade cricket have sort of set the foundations for the debauchery to follow. And I think a lot of people could yeah. identify with that. So uh, I guess not, you don't have to go into specifics, but, you know, can you paint a picture of like what, what, what is off field or what's in the sheds look like in South African grade cricket for, you know, a young H Gibbs who they know is going to make it mm -hmm. to the top. I mean, is it, is it shower culture? Um, what, what, you know, beers, what are we, what are we looking at here? How, can you paint that picture? Um, well, look, I, you know, obviously playing, you know, first grade cricket, it was, I was still under the legal age of, of drinking. So we had to do it sort of on, on the slide, but it was going to be always going to be an issue. Who was going to come and pick me up home, you know, take me home. That was the problem because I'd obviously get dropped off at the, at the ground and, and get picked up by my parents. But uh, I had to sort of tread lightly, you know, I mean, I had to make it to the car at least after the funds meeting. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, it was just, look, I mean, these days the lads get on their phones and, you know, they're on Instagram and all that sort of shit. There wasn't, uh, wasn't that back in that day. And, um, you know, you can pretty much do basically anything. But, um, look, I think, obviously, there was a lot of alcohol consumed. Um, and once that is the case, then, you know, the rest can be a bit of a blur. But while you're in the moment, I mean, it's, you know, you, you feel like you're on top of the world, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, speaking of experiences with, yeah. with toxic men, yeah. I think your, your, your third yeah. or fourth game was against Australia because he debuted against India in India, right? And then... Early on, you played against yeah. Australia at Port Elizabeth, and then and then in Sydney, yeah. I think it might have been. Um, yeah. So, like, when you were going into those games, yeah. that series, like in that era as well against that Australian team, like how uh, how much yeah. time was spent talking about how much they're going to sledge you? Um. Well, I mean, I was pretty much always like to say it. Um, you know, like a blind man in an audience, just feeling my way around at that stage. But, um, <laughs> but I was obviously new to international cricket, and yeah, it was it was quite a, quite intimidating. Um, 
you know, yeah. playing against the likes of Steve Warren, Warney, McGrath, the rest. I mean, there's a long list of great cricketers there. Um, and it was, it, like I said, it was very intimidating. But um, I think, you know, I never quite find my my feet initially in the, the first couple of seasons of international cricket. And only basically once you get to the 100 that you feel that, um, you know, you belong in that sort of stage. But um, it was definitely a baptism of fire. I mean, you know, those lads... They were the best at sledging um, that Steve was team. And I always refer to it as surround sound because you'd see it, you know, you'd come from Gilly or Ian Healy and Warnie had slip and McGrath. No, it was just it was phenomenal, great experience, actually. And um, I always looked forward to playing against them because there was never a dull moment, you know. But uh, And they always respected uh, if you did well against them, you know. But the main thing, the hardest thing was getting in against them. You know, and then having such an awesome attack like they did. I mean, they had a, they had you covered in in all aspects of the game. You know that particular team. So it was never going to be easy, and, and it wasn't easy for not only me but for a lot of teams around the world. They played against that particular team. You know, so um, but look, it was just fantastic. Um, you know, the, obviously the camaraderie and the game was always played hard, but less with the lads. Who, you know, have plenty. Uh, Plenty long ones after the game, um, after every test and after the series. So, no, it was just phenomenal, phenomenal times. That sounds good. Uh, I mean, it's too good. It's too good to even say, mate, to even mention. Um, well, you know, sort of putting putting it into words doesn't do it any justice. <laughs> oh, but against the context as well, mate, of like, you know, the way grey cricket was played and like guys today, I'm already sounding old saying this, but you know, like the showers have mm. partitions, you know, and they got their phone out. There's just all sorts of opportunities being missed. And now you're talking about test yeah. cricket and played hard, oh, had a couple, a couple yeah. long ones afterwards. Yeah. Like, like from our perspective, we were, we were sort of um, just coming into like our cricket consciousness, you know, when, when you debuted, yeah. I would have been 11 or 12 and you stay all the way through until basically, you know, we're on the circuit in our early <laughs> mid twenties. And, and so you, you were there the whole time. And uh, like, from our perspective, yeah. Australia, South Africa was almost like Springfield Shelbyville, you know, like, uh, <laughs> and, and, and like, yeah. I mean, you guys, you guys were strong too. It was, it was, it was uh, yeah. you know, Donald Pollock and Teeny, Cronje, Kirsten, Callis, yeah. yourself. Like, yeah. did did you guys consider yourselves as good as the Aussies at that time? And did you try and play as hard as them verbally on the field? Is yeah. that is that how you guys saw it at the time? Well, I think you know, my myself, Boucher, and Teeny and Adams. The tour to ninety to Australia ninety eight was our first full tour with. You know, obviously, with the protests against Australia, and um, out of the four of us, um, us, I didn't play the most, but my staff and Jock played obviously a lot more than than Adams and Boucher did. But um, I still, to this day, um, say that that was the best ninety, uh, best tour I've been on ever. <laughs> um, I'm not sure what it was. I'm not sure what the, you know what it was that uh, in the air and you know I don't know. It's just it was just phenomenal times. I mean, those two or about two months that we were there. Um, I never knew uh, you know the the um, the Aussies could be so hospitable. It was just phenomenal. Oh, okay, well, okay, you, 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 yeah. 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 okay. Look, yeah. uh, the doors ajar. The doors ajar. Maybe related. Yeah. You released yeah. the book, uh, 
You're like Zubokin yeah. in no. 2010. Cold. Yeah, I know. And um, yeah, I know. Yeah, I had to sort of contain myself as to how much in, in depth, how much I actually went into. But um, yeah, like I said, words cannot put it into, uh, doesn't do it any justice. That's for no, sure. no, you, you think, did um, say some words about it. I, I mean, a book. Yeah. It, um, yeah. it, it was the book's called To the Point. Great book. Um, and yeah. one of the chapters is, okay. is called Booze and Women. And uh, it's just a yeah. quote from that chapter. Uh, do you mind if I read it out? I don't know if you want to just yeah, please do. from it now. Refresh it's just my memory. Life. Yeah. Yeah. Or well, you, yeah. you wrote of the tour in 97, 98 to Australia. Um, there were always women. They came hunting in packs. And if they liked what they saw, you were in for the ride of your life. Everything's consensual. All right. And, and I, I, yeah. what I'm curious about sociologically with that, Herschel, is uh, like yeah. in, in Sydney, grade cricket around that time and afterwards, there, there, there was, there was, as a fact, a fascination with group sex, and yeah. I'm just wondering that was that your experience coming out to Australia at the time? It just, just <laughs> that the country itself was in the in the grip of some fixation. <laughs> it's in the throes. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, for, sorry to use the pun, but um, yeah, I think you know. I mean, when you're in your twenties, I was never one that. You know, stood back because I was playing professional, a professional sport, and that would live, restrict myself from living, actually living. You know, and um, I always tell people that the, when you're in your twenties, you should do everything that you shouldn't do. Um, you know, you learn a lot about yourself in your twenties, and obviously, once you get to thirties and forties, then you sort of pan out um, or sort of you know work towards where you'd like to improve, just in general as a, as a person and your certain, you know, your personality, your characteristics, and that sort of tries to get you ultimately, you know, to be the a complete human. But when you're in your 20s, mate, that's just, it's like a free-for-all. You know, you should do everything, at, irrespective of what your career is. You know, that was always my approach. And um, it was just something in that air, that particular tour that, I don't know, it was like manna from heaven, as I said. I, I don't know if I said it in the book, but, um, you know, wherever we went, it was just, Heavenly, I, like I said, they were just very hospitable. And um, like I said, we didn't mind, uh, you know, the more the merrier, as they said in those days. <laughs> you, you were saying in the book, you know, like you, you were my, rooming with someone and that, your friend's missing out. Yeah. And, you know, can you help my friend out? And, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, we obviously tried to be as um, as sharing as, as, as possible, but it wasn't always the case. But, um, yeah, you know, you snooze, you lose. <laughs> I've always said that. It's uh, it's, yeah. it strikes me, Herschel, that yeah. um, you know, because of the IPL now, all the guys are so friendly, uh, and because they all play against each other, they play so much cricket, and they see each other all the time, and they just they they have much mm. more, they have much stronger camaraderie, but maybe just in a different way from when you played. Because I've heard a story that Gary Kirsten actually was talking about after the '99 World Cup semi final, where obviously what happens happens. But Gary Kirsten is talking yeah. about after the game, he's talking about Shane Warne. Um, you guys ran into each other in in Birmingham. I think that game was played, right? Um, and then yeah. you guys were like having beers after the game. So I wonder if, like, um, first of all, like, what do you do? You, were you there? Were you, do you remember that? And also, like, maybe the the camaraderie was just different to how it is now, but equally uh, respectful. Um, I remember. I don't remember after the semi final, but I remember obviously in the stage six game. You know, mm -hmm. coming back to the <laughs> to the moment of of the '99 World Cup, um, <laughs> yeah, we got myself, Warnie got uh, a cracking on a couple of beers and cigarettes in the changing room afterwards. Um, 
But I know after Birmingham, I had other plans rather than going out of the town. I mean, I had uh, basically I had, I had a had to be the night watchman for the evening. So, <laughs> um, so I didn't I didn't make it I didn't make it out to the town anyway that particular night. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I like coming back to your point. I just think, um, yeah, I mean, even way before the IPL, I think you know Australia and and, and, and ourselves were just. No, I think, you know, we played the game hard, but the lads enjoyed themselves off the field. And, you know, if you speak to all the protests they played in the early 90s or even before the 2000s, it was just phenomenal times. Um, you know, I think it's obviously, there's a lot more friendships made these days because the lads are playing so much cricket and they're traveling together, a lot of them. Uh, those, you know, who play mostly T20 cricket. But um, I think it's just... It's always been that way. You know, we play the game hard. You know, the two cultures are very similar and, and we respect one another. Um, I don't think that, that will change for a long time and uh, it should never change. You know, as long as the game is played hard, you know, I'd still like to see a bit more a bit more sledging taking place. But the umpires these days get involved so quickly. Uh, yeah, it makes yeah. for boring cricket, you know, for a boring spectacle. So, um I mean, I, I miss those days when Merv Hughes almost wanted to wrap, you know, his bat on whoever's <laughs> yeah. head and exactly. And uh, that sort of thing. I mean, warning SK giving Hudders the big send-off. You know, you don't see that anymore. So it's, it's uh, those are great times to play and, and, you know, to be alive and to actually play those times. And like I said, to play against that that team that Steve Ward led was was a complete privilege. I mean, nobody in the modern modern game these days will ever come across as a team as good as that. Uh, I mean, we, we always yeah. preface our comments on Warney with, you know, RIP and, and he, he was definitely my hero. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, like on, on the, the fateful catch that wasn't, you know, or Tony yeah. Greg sort of <laughs> tried to make an argument yeah. for it. Um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, I just, you know, there's, there's so much folklore around it now and uh, it's, I'm sure yeah. it's, it's sure it's boring, you know, for you to talk about, but um, so, so I'm going to try and bring a different angle. Like I, I know that like uh, one of the, things that the Aussies have jumped on is this idea that like Warney had been like literally warning the team that he had noticed you had this habit of throwing the ball up before a ball was caught. So not to leave the crease. It doesn't actually make sense when you think it through like the, the, the pace at which all that happens, whether they leave the crease or not, it doesn't really matter. You've either caught it or you haven't. But like, I mean, it, when you think back on your career, like did yeah. It was worn right if he even said that at all. Like, did, did did you have a habit of throwing it up quickly, or did things just happen more quickly for you because you're literally one of the greatest fielders of all time? <laughs> uh, no, I don't know. It's just you know, I went through I went through a stage where I was that confident of I was probably you know I wouldn't say too confident, but I you know I backed my ability, you know, my athleticism, and um, you know, we practice a lot of catching and you know, that, that proper yeah. intensity, you know, intensity, I don't think, you know, you'll see again. It's just, um, and that comes with, you know, and that confidence and self-belief comes in that, you know, you can take anything that comes your way. And for some unknown reasons, for a period of time, I went through a stay, I mean, a period where I used to just want to catch and throw it away immediately, you know, um, but you know, that particular game, it was the same thing happened. But for Warnie to, you know, to say that and bring it up before the team meeting, it just showed how much of a, you know, just the cricket brain that he had. Um, it's a weird and, thing to um, say, to be honest. 
Yeah, I realized that. Imagine hearing what I meant to do about that. Yeah, and Gilly, and you know, Gilly's obviously told me that plenty of times that wanted to bring it up, but uh, I don't know, it, it happens. Um, you know, and people still this day, you know, ask me, do I regret dropping it and all that? And it's like, no, I mean, you know, we carried on. I mean, we had beers and a couple of, you know, ciggies, a couple of poles after the game, and life was fine. <laughs> no, it's not about, you know, um, you know, about regretting anything. You know, I mean, I was. I dropped about five catches in my uh, in my career, of spanning twenty five years. But uh, there was always one that was going to be reminded. I was going to be reminded of, and that was it. But uh, so be it, you know. And, and it was like uh, <laughs> I, I was look, I was watching it this evening, as as I do, just w- with my family. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, and um, <laughs> it would have looked great if you'd taken yeah. it because it was like a no. It was a no look throw. I look as well. up. Like yeah. a, it was a real no look up. It would have looked fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, anyway, not to be. Uh, Look, uh, <laughs> not gonna yeah. not gonna ask about the, you know what what Steve Ward did or didn't say. But what I want to know is like, yeah. he obviously had you guys. He something had been happening beforehand that had obviously led him to engage you in that moment. You know, had yeah. there been something yeah. before? Oh, well, you know, is, is there anything you can add to that? Anything he'd been saying to you because he did, he did like talking. No, it, like I said, it you know the, the hardest part against that particular team was was getting in, you know, as a batsman. You know, you, once you got to thirty or forty, they they tend to you know you just tone it down a bit, not really say much. But the first twenty runs or so was was hard work, whether it be Test cricket or or one day cricket. So, um, yeah, obviously feeling on top of the world, getting you know playing my first World Cup and, and getting a hundred. Um, you know, I was the only only. SA batsman that got 100 in 99 and 2003. It's stupid. But anyway, um, and yeah, I was feeling on top of the world. And obviously, when Tiger then came in, like he was, they were obviously in a spot of bother. And uh, I was, I had every right to, you know, give him back what they, you know, what they dished up while I was batting. So I'd like to fight fire with fire. I mean, that sort of thing happened. It carried on going throughout the test, you know, 2000 and Three, I think it was, 2004, at Adelaide, I was walking into Patton. And Tiger just said, Hirsch, we've been waiting for you. <laughs> just not, I haven't even got to the crease yet. <laughs> yes, we've been waiting for you, Hirsch. You know, so, you know, there was no let-up you know, against that particular team. And, um, yeah, it was hard work, you know. It was hard work, but, hell, oh, it was fantastic times. It was hard, but it was great times, really great times. Let's uh let's let's talk about the four thirty four slash four thirty eight game where <laughs> yeah. you hit one hundred and seventy five of one hundred and eleven <laughs> balls. Fucking hell, Hirsch! How were you seeing him that day? Jesus Christ! You, you, you got out. There was it was eighteen overs left. You're in one hundred and seventy five. So first of all, you threw it away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. Um, second of all, like so so that last mm. over is sick as well because McIntyre comes in. You need you need three off two or something and then and then Boucher hits the winning runs with one ball to spare nine down packed house at Joburg jubilation absolute scenes you guys run into the field we spoke to uh Mickey Arthur maybe a year ago Pez something like that and and he was saying I think I think the coaches got into the showers after the game as well um there was absolutely just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. just enormous yeah. scenes could you take us through the celebrations in the sheds that day because that looks like the most fun you could possibly have on a cricket field Mate, I had, I had the bigger, I had the biggest night the night before than after the game. <laughs> <laughs> it 
that was the best one. Uh, that was the best one. Uh, I mean, apparently, yeah, I was, uh, I was, apparently, I was, I wasn't. They weren't gonna, they weren't gonna pick me to play the game um, because of what had happened the night before. So, um, you know, I had an absolute bender because we had finished training on the Saturday at around lunchtime, and as I did then. You know, I, I always used to say I'd be the Minister of Foreign Affairs and I invited someone <laughs> to the to the hotel. Got, and we ended up having lunch, at the, obviously in the bar downstairs at the hotel. And uh, if you know the Santon Sun, so the whole over the whole hotel looks overlooks the bar. So, um, you know, you're there for everybody to see. But anyway, it didn't really make a difference to me that day. And started at about 2.30 that Saturday afternoon. Um, got into the liquid grapes. I don't know for that sort of period I was going through the wine and you know, I liked wine yeah. then, but uh, yeah. white wine. This yeah. is white wine. Ooh. And um sampling, you know, a couple of the Chardonnays and Sauvignon Blancs. Went to the team meeting at about six thirty and luckily not enough to say much in the meeting. So I escaped that and uh, you know, unscathed. I came through that unscathed. And then uh the whole night just finished around 3.30 Sunday morning. <laughs> so I actually surprised myself that I actually woke up in time for the game and it wasn't late for the getting on the bus to the ground. And um, you can imagine how I was feeling getting on yeah. the bus. You know, I just said morning, went straight back, straight to the back of the bus and uh, had a quick little, another 10, 15 minute snooze. Got to the, uh, to the stadium and um, had a Red Bull and his two um, anti-inflammatories and that was it, you know, but it was the first time ever on a cricket field that I was actually scared of fielding. <laughs> I, I was actually, you know, shedding my pants that the ball was going to come to me and I was, you know, I just didn't know what I was going to do. And uh, it was you know, the first 15 overs. The wicket was quite slow. I remember actually taking almost a blinder of Gilly. Um, of Makai and Tini, full stretch to my left, just managed, managed, just managed to get there, but it would have been an unbelievable catch, even though I say so myself. But, uh, and then Andrew Wall kept on bowling and they kept on hitting him through extra cover because the wicket was a bit slowish that morning. And then Graham said, obviously I was at point and Graham said, no, Hirsch, we want you at extra cover. And I just said, no, for, I just said, no, for, no ways. I can't do this, you know. And luckily nothing came Towards straight towards me, that just kept on ball kept on beating me either side of me. So it was one time that I was actually shitting myself on the field fielding. But uh, coming to the batting, and then batting, um, sampling, you know, I still had the taste of the Sauvignon Blanc while I was batting. It was, it was unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and um, and that's. That's why when we got to the fines meeting after the game, um, I was tickets already. I, I didn't last very long anyway, but uh, it was just, I remember, okay, Mickey Arthur had, uh, you know, he had to scull a few and he was the first one that actually chundered anyway, well, threw up on his chest. Um, <laughs> and we got we got back to the hotel. Uh, the two teams met in the bar and, you know, Bingo had his, had his guitar. It was just the one sensational evening. And um, you now everybody that, that, that took part of that game, 
you know, obviously gave the world something really special. And I, and I don't think whoever you know, didn't make a difference, whoever you know was on the winning side that particular day because the game was that was that good, you know, and um, makes a difference. Like I said, who won the game, but uh, it was just a phenomenal day of of cricket, a spectacle of note, you know. Yeah. What what uh, what's happening at the change of innings, Herschel? Like, uh, oh. are you just thinking Australia's twenty short here? Uh, you know, no, four thirty-four. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Was there anybody in the sheds just just going? Uh, honestly, they're they're unders here, boys. Because you, no, you, you guys were ahead of them pretty much the whole chase as well. The um, no, I think about about fifteen overs to go, about ten overs to go. Myself and Boucher, you know, we just had a quick word. I said, "I oh, think we're going to be chasing 380, 380, I said, and said, "No, it's more like four hundred. I remember. Watching, you know, having a look at the Aussie sort of viewing area, the viewing area when they got to 400 and they were just raptures of laughter. You know, I mean, obviously, it was the first time that mm. Tina got to 400. And uh, now there was complete silence in the stadium as we walked off. Um, and to this day, I mean, you know, Jacques still, as we got into the sheds, I didn't hear it. But he said, no, the, you know, the bowlers have done their job. They're 15 runs short. <laughs> and that's sort of... <laughs> <laughs> and, and that just sort of broke the, you know, broke the, the backbone of uh, just the, I don't know, you know, complete shock and, and disappointment in uh, of what we had just noted. You know, um, it's a scene for that for that fifty overs. Um, and then Mickey Arthur, because we obviously took it like extra long to bowl our overs. It was only a turnaround of fifteen minutes, and Mickey Arthur, he's you know, he's mentioned a few words and and. He then said, look, we can get to about 190, 200 after 20 overs. And and as he said that, him and I sort of made eye contact. And I was like, man, that's going to be a, a bit of a can, a bit of a push. Um, but as it turned out, and obviously Graham still played a wonderful innings that day. And him and I just got the momentum up front. Um, put the dip in our, unfortunately, got out for one. And he, to this day, you know, still say, you know, he still says he was man of the match because it allowed me to come in early. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah, it was just it was probably the most enjoyable innings that I've played. You know, it was complete, nothing to lose. Uh, you know, the wicket was just fantastic. And, um, you know, I've got a, I don't have a bad record at, at, at the Wanderers and I enjoy playing there because it's good bounce and good pace and the ball flies at altitude. So, uh, yeah, it was just a sensational day. I um I'm sure you've been told this in the past, but um I think it was the under 19 World Cup. I think they were doing some promos, but Vrat, Vrat Kohli said that uh, he was uh, you are sorry his favorite player. Um, has Vrat ever told you that? Did he ever say that to your face, or was that just an under 19 promo that he kept it to himself after that? Oh, mate, I don't know. Yeah, I've seen the video, but uh, it's a bit of a laugh anyway for him to say that. But uh, those were the days, you know. Those were the days. <laughs> A long time ago, yeah. Uh, I'm really curious, Herschel, about uh, like your, I guess your philosophy to sport and also playing at the pro level. You know, like we we're talking about your junior days, and you're an absolute prodigy. And um, I just would have imagined in that circumstance, it was going to a prestigious school and stuff as well. That like you would have had a lot of people around you who would have sort of maybe wanted you to to like actualize into like the perfect sportsman who who 
you know, didn't drink or did it, you know, we, we know you've, you've enjoyed marijuana as I have and other people have as well. And, you know, and whatever yeah. else, you know, there's no, there's no judgment here to be honest in, uh, you know, yes. humans do these things anthropologically we escape anyway. Um, but like, uh, like, but, but instead you, despite sort of having, um, you know, probably having a lot of people around you who want you to just be an angel, you, you, you took a philosophy of, um, exploring you know like you took a holistic view to your life you were doing sport at the top level but you also just living how you wanted to live at the time like did you have did you have people around you who were like that this is what you should this is the way you should live or was it just a natural thing to you to, to play that or to sort of see the world that way no i mean i uh so so when i had my so when i had my so the reason why i stopped playing rugby was i did my cruciate ligament in 1994 and th- and those were the days where you still could play six months to rugby and six months of, of cricket but uh so when that happened the surgeon who did the operation actually just said you know if i would because i had been playing four years of first class cricket by then he said if i were you i'd rather you know just stick to cricket and give up the rugby because obviously you could play cricket a lot longer but i was so gutted that it happened that an injury happened because rugby was you remember, I gave, I've given up soccer at 16 because there just wasn't enough time in the day to play rugby, you know, um, rugby in the mornings and then soccer afterwards. Because obviously, the older you get, the late the sports also get. But for two years after that injury, I never won. I never went to Newlands, obviously, Newlands Rugby Stadium to go and watch any rugby. I was so gutted. Um, and I mean, my belief, well, for me, rugby is rugby union is still the best, the most complete team sport you can get, this, in my opinion. Um, simply because it's got all the characteristics that really make up what a team sport is about. Um, and that is why I think rugby union is, is, is the best team sport. But be that as it may, um, yeah, and I, I had to just get on with it. You know, I didn't have any. Didn't have any uh, any other work I was doing, you know. Now I had to, I had to play cricket, um, but I was I always had this energy for life and to live it the way I wanted to live it. I mean, you only have one life, but um, it didn't make a difference, you know, what career you know I chose or what sort of work I was doing. Living my life was never, I was never going to restrict myself from doing that, um, and. And people, a lot of people will say, oh, maybe because of your amount of talent you had, you never fulfilled that talent. But I didn't really like cricket that much as, as much as I did rugby. And I was just fortunate enough that I could make a living out of, out of playing cricket. Um, you know, and when it comes to the batting, um, I think, uh, you know, if I really liked batting, I would have tried to get 300s or 250s, et cetera, et cetera. But I, you know, it was more just about expressing myself. And that was so difficult for me, especially as an opener, that you couldn't just play like that, you know. And especially with the wickets that you have here in South Africa, especially our test wickets, I think there's such a challenge, uh, you know, technically and mentally in a lot of ways um, for all four, four or five days, when you know, when the tests go that way. I mean, there's always something in it for the bowlers. There's a lot more seam in South Africa than there is in say Australia or um, or England 
you know, it, it happens. It happens a lot quicker off the deck in, in South mm. Africa than than in Australia or England, for that matter. So um, it was. It was. It wasn't easy being able to restrict myself in the way I wanted to play all the time. But um, I had to try and do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think you know, and also just taking chances, um, just playing there and expressing myself. Um, yeah, I mean. What happened was in, I think in 2000 and 2005, when, when AB arrived on the scene, we didn't have any experience as a middle in, in our middle order in the test team at that stage. Um, I think Ashwell only played, Ashwell Prince had just played a couple of, less than a handful of, of games. And at that stage, I was averaging 50 as an opener. And Ray Jennings, who took, was the coach then, he said, Lush, can you try and you know, you know, drop it down in the middle order because simply because we don't have any experience, we don't have any experience there whatsoever. Um, and I had to try and do what's what was best for the team at that stage, even though I was averaging just under 50 as an opener then. Um and my batting went to complete shit then because I always liked, I never used to enjoy waiting to go into bat. I used to as an opener, it's nice to just get out there. And have a go, you know, straight away. Um, yeah, and uh, I only got from 2005 to 2008, I got 100. And, and that was it, you know. I sort of, uh, I couldn't get it back to where I was as an opener. And um, I just, you know, I couldn't always see the point of getting big hundreds, uh, like 280, 300, because I never really loved batting. You know, guys that love batting hate getting out. Mm. You know, it was me. It was about more getting on with the game. If you get out, so what? As long as you're having a you know a go, and um, that was always my my sort of philosophy and my approach to to batting. Um, I would have liked to have got to maybe two fifty or three hundred just once. You know, just to see what it was like, but it didn't phase me whatsoever that I never got there. I mean, I got to two hundred twenty eight, and you know, after. I think it was 78 or 78 overs at Newlands in that day. And I was trying to get to the 300 in a day, <laughs> but it never happened. So anyway, that's how it happens, you know, that's how it goes. Mm. Just, uh, just on a separate note, um, Alan Donald must have been a fucking nightmare in the nets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate, he was, he was. I remember, I'll tell you why, I remember the... Uh, one of the first practices with the Proteus that, uh, and um, it, given the fact that I, uh, I've always had fucking skinny legs, um, you know, <laughs> pins, um, he had the new, he had the new rock in his hand at one stage and uh, one net practice. And sometimes when his, his wrist used to go, he used to bowl these huge, you know, in swingers. And he hit me just, you know, just below the thigh pad and above the oh, the roll yeah. or the pad, mate, and I dropped like a sack of potatoes. I didn't walk for three days. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I couldn't believe it. I, I just I just dropped like an absolute sack. But uh, bang, that man. He now when he comes to about sculling drinks, he you know he's up there with the best, the most that I've seen. Really, he's unbelievable, yeah. phenomenal. Heshaw, I, I want to. Uh, you've given us way more time than I asked for. I really appreciate. It. Oh. I hope you're going okay. Uh, um, all good. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I, I want to ask about uh, playing with Hansi. 
Uh, and mm. in, in particular, um, uh, well, well, firstly, you know, what an incredible player he was. Um, but I also, yeah. uh, you know, while you're here and seeming to, you know, be free to talk in a straightforward manner, you know, ask about the yeah. the match fixing ban you went through. I know you've spoken a lot about mm. it publicly, so I, I feel confident asking you and I don't mean to yeah. trivialize it, but the, the, the particular match in question, as far as I can understand, you were sort of offered 15 K to make under 20 runs by Hansi yeah. and you didn't go through with it and you made 74. And I really mm. don't want to trivialize the, um, what, what must've been a dark period in your career, but I mean, yeah. there's so many people around the world w- w- would love the opportunity to choose whether they, you know, go through with making 20 or less and go yeah. on to make yeah. 74. And do you ever, do you yeah. ever wonder, like, uh, look, this might be overstepping the mark, but do you ever wonder what, what if you just nicked off, you know, with a good ball, even though if you were, uh, you know, trying to crack my, on, uh, it's just what a good player you are. <laughs> no, mate, I, I, you know what happened was, is that I had, I had great, on the previous two occasions that I'd, that I'd batted on that particular ground on that pitch. I'd got 200 and I got in the same game, I got 227 and 170. <laughs> there was no way as I was going to nick off. So, um, <laughs> you know, and, uh, that ground was pretty much made for me. So, um, yeah, I just, I had a feeling that, I mean, I knew I had great, uh, great gen rights and great, um, you know, memories of, of the ground, but um, you know, I came in then and blasted 74 in, in no time. But um, I mean, it's a, it was a small ground, um, I had a lot of time to think about initially saying yes, you know, at the, at the hotel because it was a long drive. I mean, the lads even took their pillows with them, it was like at least an hour and a half drive. We stayed in the sticks in those days, and um, I had more than enough time to think about it. And I got to the ground and you know that my, you know, I just said, well, you know, to hell with it, and you know, go and do and, and do the right thing. The funny thing was, <laughs> the funny thing was, when H came, when Hansi still came into bat, I had this biggest grin on my face because I obviously knew that I'd gone past twenty. And he looked at me, and he said, "You just keep batting, my boy. You just keep batting." You know, and that was it. Um, yeah, and I, I managed to get a run out towards the end of the game. It also helped us win the game, and um, you know that was that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny that people people will continue, you know, not bring it. I mean, they don't bring it up. You know, so a lot of the Indians on Twitter every now and again will go, "Ah, oh, yeah, fix it, fix it." You know, none of them actually know what what actually happened, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But uh, you know, it's yeah, it was it was interesting time of those days. Um, the band gave me six months to to fall in love with golf. Before that, you'd never find me near a golf course. But uh, yeah, you know, it was the the couple of months leading up to the to the King Commission. Those were those were not traumatic, but I was under a lot of lot of pressure. Then you know, um, I had a had a migraine. You know, I've had hangovers, mate. I've had hangovers like you can't believe over the years. But a migraine. Those people that get it, I feel very sorry sorry for them. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's hardcore that, um, and it was just all the strain and uh, and the pressure that I was on, uh, you know, the long those couple of months leading up to the King Commission. And, and just just on that, Herschel, um, 
Like, yeah. I, I think people probably ask about it because it's it's just such a curiosity. No one's experienced themselves or what what that what how, how something like that comes together and what it must be like to go through. And you detail a lot of it in lots of public statements you've made. Anyone who wants to know more about it can through you. And and I think you know that's um that's helpful. With that experience, do you get any sense that um that that things like match fixing may still go on in? in cricket uh, do, do you think the experience gives you any extra insight into what you might look for and and if so like do you get a sense that there may still be some of those forces hovering throughout the game well i think i don't know i mean until it all comes out we'll never know but um <laughs> i wouldn't see it as a joke i mean obviously i uh, i regret exactly what I did. I mean, even though I never ended up going through it, but I gave a lot of people jobs as far as the anti-corruption unit is concerned. It's a pure joke. I like it. You know, I gave a lot of people employment, but, um, you know, no, but, um, yeah, look, until it all comes out, it's, um, and, you know, and since, since then, you know, lads have actually, you know, got their own rooms now that, you know, you can't share with anyone. So, you know, as, as hard as it was, now the lads get, get their own rooms. And I'm sure they're quite happy with it, rather than have it to share. <laughs> People should be thanking Herschel Gibbs for that. If they anything, should be, they no. should, if anything, they should be thanking him. <laughs> they should be thanking him. Oh, uh, uh, I want to ask you, Herschel, like, um, uh, it, it strikes me that, um, I mean, obviously, um, Hansi's, passing was was tragic yeah you know, with the with the crash and whatnot but it, it struck me that even though he went through all the things he went through and he was doing all those things that he still had people that that really loved him and and even your description just there where like you were discussing match fixing out in the middle but he he sort of smiled at you and said you crack on my boy like like you know there's there's, yeah. there's still some sort of kinship there there's a love for mm. hansi and i think i feel like that's yeah. that's that lives on in his memory which is interesting mm. given that um you know, he brought the game into disrepute, but but yeah. amongst his friends, he's he's still loved, isn't he? Hmm. No, for sure. Um, you know, I think everybody that played under him, you know, would tell you how much they respected him um, and loved him. And you know, was, he was such a natural leader. Um, you know, Glads would go through, you know, run through a brick wall for him. Um, hmm. You know, and he wanted to win at all costs. Um, you know, he, the softer, the, you know, his, how can I say, his weakness was, was, was money and, um, and obviously getting money easily. Um, but, you know, I mean, people will always remember that side of it. I mean, it's not like he, he murdered anyone. Um, and I think why he hurt so many people, because initially the people loved him. You know, he could, they, he was a, he was a people's captain. Um, and he led by example, you know, um, there was a lot of, a lot more good things that he did than obviously the whole, you know, taking easy money. Um, and whoever played alongside him will tell you that, you know, um, I mean, you've got people that are murdered these days and, you know, people get killed and the murderers are never spoken of about, but a man that obviously, you know, took money because he, he was so respected initially, mm. you know, people were, felt that bad obviously when when it all came out um and uh yeah i've obviously done i've been asked a couple of times it's not like he, he killed anyone you know i, I remember in the king commission he wore <laughs> he wore 
his tie with, with ducks on. And I said to him, I said, you know, with all the money that you had, irrespective of how you got it, I mean, the, the, how can you possibly want to wear a tie with ducks on? You know, I had absolutely no clue, no dress sense whatsoever. But, um, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, he, he said sorry at the, at the end of the King Commission, but I said, yeah, it happens. I mean, I am, you know, it's, it, it, is, it was what it was. And, you know, I was still lucky enough that I was able to play um, and, and make a career of it. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, you know, it's, it's things that happen in life, you know, um, whether it be good or bad. But it teaches you to be strong through those sort of periods, you know. I mean, you know, it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. So, I've, uh, it's been... It's been pretty much adventurous over the last 30 years, I can tell you that. Um, and uh, I'm very happy and I have no regrets. Sir. No no regrets whatsoever. You know, no one's given a blueprint of how their life should unfold. And uh, and that's what makes life so interesting because you never know what's going to happen the next day. You know? last, last one from me, Hirsch. I'm going to yep. tie two yep. questions together. Like I, I wasn't expecting mm. coming into this interview um, to – to meet someone with, with a really, you know, compelling philosophy, I think on how to play sport and approach life. That's actually really, it's quite warts and all, you know, it, and, and it's quite real. I think it's the sort of thing that a lot of people would agree with, especially over a beer or two, you know, I don't know if you even have beers anymore or whatever, but, um, uh, bubbles, uh, bubbles, I'll drink but, bubbles. Part of, part of, right. Um, I, um, I wanted to ask about the future yeah. of cricket in South Africa a little bit. I, mm. I noted research mm. in this interview in your last, in Gary Curtin's last test match where you played with him, you, you, in your, your quote is saying you cried for hours at, at the idea sure. of, of him playing his last test, right? And, and uh, yeah. I'm not going to make fun of that. I, I think it's really interesting in terms of whether or not, you know, guys who play for, um, you know, the MI Emirates in the South Africa league are going to be crying for hours, yeah. you know, if, if any of yeah. their players leave or anything with respect to the MI Emirates, by the way, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, or yeah. the Deccan Chargers who you played for or whatever, you know, and whether those kinds of bonds or that kind of cricket or whatever it was that we loved about that era is, is going to be achievable for South Africa into the future and for other um, countries as well as cricket kind of reorganizes around franchise cricket mm. because you're a guy who yeah. probably would have done pretty well in this era too. But mm. I think, you know, I think Gary and I, obviously, uh, I started opening the batting or for South Africa in, in basically in, in 98. And for the, for the couple of years that initially when we opened together, you know, we basically became like brothers, um, you know, because we had, had trained so hard together prepared for the test matches and one day games was, you know, so hard. Um, you know, we obviously grew quite like close to one another. Um, and I'd seen him in, in his heyday when I started out, at, you know, playing first class cricket, how much of a, of a, of a energy for life that he had, you know, back in the day. And he was always a Casanova and <laughs> thinking he was Tom Cruise, but, um, you know, and those sort of things resonated with me, and uh, it was, you know, it, it drew us close, you know, very close together, and and that is why I just, you know, I couldn't contain myself, um, uh, you know, at his last Test match. Um, 
as soon as he walked off the field already, I could see he was quite emotional. I, I just couldn't stop for because it was the end of the test match, um, end of the day, and I just carried on crying for the whole day. I was was I couldn't believe it, but uh, I don't know, you know, with today's cricket. I don't know if you get that much, that closeness anymore. You know, the lads are, they're hardly in one place at any given time for very much longer these days. The guys are on the, you know, on the planes a lot, a lot more. And they're with different players also a lot more than and in previous years. You know, um, you know you're not going to get guys that play maybe 100 tests together or even 70 or 80 tests, you know. And those sort of relationships or partnerships, they bring people very close together because there's a lot that you go through, especially as a batter, you know. I mean, the ups and downs, not so much with bowling, but, you know, getting through the stages, even, you know, lean patches, sharing the highs and lows, et cetera, et cetera. Those are emotional periods. And, um, you know, some guys grow a little bit closer to one another, help you through it, et cetera, et cetera. And you find guys that also that you enjoy the good times a lot, you know, with a lot more. Um, and when you, you know, those days, it was just, um, you know, I think we had a special team um, and we went through a lot of hardships, especially against Australia. You know, it was, it was quite emotional. And, and that is why I said the mental side of it was so, it was so um, sort of energy sapping because they were such a great team. It took a lot out of you. And when you did well against them, it was such a relief because you didn't do well against them a lot of the time because they were that good, you know, um, and relations just became, you know, important. Um, you know, I was basically on the road from age of 16. So I never really had anyone to, to confide in. I just, you know, I was just living, you know, living and playing, living and playing. And, um, Made some interesting, uh, yeah, some great partnerships along the way, relationships. I think uh, I still prefer, you know, I mean, I started in 89. I started in 89, 90 season and uh, finished in 2014. So I went through three decades, you know, three different types of players. I experienced a lot uh, on and off the field. So as I sit here today and obviously sharing it with you guys um it's been an absolute privilege and, and like i said there was nothing that i would change so yeah i mean it's it's been great it's been really great except for throwing it away in that 434 game getting 175 <laughs> like that was you had a right Wait, there, I, I had i thought about it for for half a minute for half a minute <laughs> maybe less i said if i if i get it I've, i mean i would have been the first to get to 200 but if I get it, um, I get it. If I don't, I've had an absolute fucking blast in the middle. Um, <laughs> I was basically trying to hit every ball I could. Once once Graham got out, I knew I had to just continue with the momentum. But I obviously Bracken, you know, Brax then dropped me on a 135. And I thought, well, okay, this was this day was made for you. And I just went into another gear. I said if I could try and hit every ball for six. That was going to be my idea. And if I get to 200, so be it. If I'd got to 200, I probably would have got to 250 in no time anyway. But because um, <laughs> there was so much time left in, you know, in the innings. But uh, yeah, it just didn't make a difference that I didn't, didn't get it. And you did it you know, as, as, a, as a bet. <laughs> no, no, shame. <laughs> Not sure where he's at, but 
<laughs> he was exceptionally generous that day. But um, yeah, you know the batters batters always play the situation as we know, you know, and uh, that what was needed at that situation. Um, but man, I think the shot of the day for me was Macaulay Tini <laughs> taking Bingo off 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 stump basically, yeah. running him down to yeah. third man. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, <laughs> How he did that, fuck no, you know, how, I don't know, whatsoever. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, it was, it was fantastic times. Oh, that's great. Oh, just just, mm. just quick one, Herschel. Are, are you, uh, yeah. I, I'd imagine you'd be kindred spirits with Brendan McCullum, wouldn't you, in terms of the way you approach the game? Do you, do you like what he's brought to the England side? I know they're calling it baseball and it annoys him and stuff, but do, do you... Do you, yeah. do you like it or as a South African, are you taking some joy in the fact that you, you know, you can't just destroy everyone before setting up a foundation. Mm. Yeah, where, where are you at on that? But my, well, my belief is, I think, you know, the overhead conditions in England play a big part in, in how you go about your cricket. And I think, you know, they've had their driest season or driest year in like 35 years. You know, the, the weather's been exceptionally good and the wickets have been dry. But I think, you know, and there wasn't much turn against New Zealand. You know, and when you give... The likes of Bestow, Stokes, um, the freedom to go and express yourself and to take it on. Uh, you have to have the players that can do that. And the conditions also, first and foremost, need to be in your favor in order to approach the game like that. So I think they've had a good with regards to the conditions, first and foremost. They've had, I wouldn't say ordinary attack in New Zealand, but they didn't have the pace that we have with say with a Nordia or I mean Nokia or with Rabada. You know, I think the morning of the of the first test, um the, that first morning, the overhead conditions suited us perfectly. We utilized it completely. It blew them out the way. I I expected more, didn't expect the same in the second innings because the sun came out. But as I mean lads that, that have faced like 145, 150 clicks. What that happens is, you know, you tend to go with it because it happens so quickly. But I, you know, I didn't expect them to crumble that that quickly. Um, and if that's that's the approach they want to play, they got to you need the conditions in order to do that. Um, and they had it, but they've come up with you know against a different beast with this attack. And I don't think, I mean, you Nokia's express KG is 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 quick enough. You know, Jansen at least swings it a bit and. Ngiri also does swing at it, but but Jansen and, and Ngiri are not not quick. I mean, they in the one thirties, one thirties is not quick. Um, but you know, let's see what happens in the second test. I, I'm I'm sure they're going to not keep as much grass on the wicket. You know, they probably want to have a bit more turn simply because you know to negate the the express pace of Nokia and and Rabada. But uh, like I said, you can't play like they want to play depending on the, you know, the conditions. Um, they've got they've got Besto and Stokes, you know, but they don't have a, the opening pair. I mean, it's basically leaving with with four batters to get to the runs, you know. Um, so Root's coming in under pressure because he's always in early. Oli Pope, I think, played really well at you know, first test. But they, I mean, they crumbled like a deck of cards in, in the second inning. So it's, it's got to be a, something of concern to them. When their conditions were really good, they actually bat in you know the second innings. Um, but the, like I said, they've they come up against a different attack and they want to approach it the way they they they, they would like to. Let them do it. Um, 
we just bowled with the right intensity throughout the game. I mean, the game didn't only last two and a half days. But um, we need to keep that same intensity against against them in the second test because we drop our guard. You know, they've got batters that can hurt you, provided um, you get a solid start. I mean, you can't bat like that if you don't have solid starts. You know, and that was so good about Australia all these years ago or, or even to this day. That, you know, guys get solid starts. The rest of the, the top six can fire as much as they want to. Uh Herschel Gibbs, we will let you go. Mm. I don't think okay. anyone has ever stayed for as long as you have, given that I said, do you have 10 to 15 minutes? Um, <laughs> so that, yeah. And, yeah. and you know, you have taken Next us time on we'll journey. do it with a little, little, little beer in hand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Talking like uh, this without a little drop, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, you've taken bubbles, us through three, three decades. Three decades of yeah. cricket, which, you know, and everything <laughs> that's changed in between. Mm. School sports king. Onto uh, grade cricket, into group sex, into uh, the four three eight game, <laughs> yeah. dropping Steve yeah. Waugh, match fixing, yeah. basball. Uh, you, you've yeah. you've really you've really taken us on the journey, and we really appreciate it. As do the the listeners and the viewers, mate. Thanks so much for joining us. Very yeah. much appreciate it. And yeah, next next time we'll do it in person with with a beer or a drink of yeah. choice. Yeah, happy days, and thanks for your time, lads, and uh, everything on the best going forward.